We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date. Detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir! Stephen Langford in with you. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday morning. Shout out to Alan Styles for filling in for the past three days as I was on the morning roast with Bonte. And shout out to Bonte for having me on the program. And we got a lot to get into with the fallout because we got Warriors and Grizzlies game three coming up tomorrow. Cannot wait. It's going to be a fun, full basketball day. I know we got. The Heat and the Sixers and the Suns and the Mavs again tonight. But it feels like those two games, one is outmatching the other. And in the Heat's case, it's the Heat matching outmatching the 76ers. The 76ers again going to be without Embiid. And it's just, they're no longer the Dallas Mavericks anymore. They're the Dallas Doncic's. Because that's all they got against the Phoenix Suns right now. The Suns are just, they're outmatching them right now. Outmatching is the key word. But tomorrow, you got the Bucks and the Celtics in that series. You know, it's there's it's it's funny looking at both of those games. Because in game one, it's, oh, the Bucks are too much for the Celtics to handle. The Bucks have figured the Celtics out. And then in game two, it was, the Celtics have figured out the kryptonite to Giannis's game. So we'll see if there's an overreaction to Game 3. And then, of course, we got Warriors and Grizzlies. So that's really the day of basketball. Um, but I do want to get to some baseball real quick, just to just to start off the show for the first few minutes, because I do want to talk about Steve Kerr, what he had to say uh, about Dylan Brooks and the suspension that was looming for the week, and the one-game suspension came down on Dylan Brooks, so he will be out for Game 3. We will get back to that, but just some quick thoughts on the Giants. They had the two-game series loss to the Dodgers. I'm not going to call that a sweep because it's two games. 
I just I just can't count that as a sweep. I just can't. Based on principle. So they lost those two games to the Dodgers, and then they got this four-game set against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are always one of the best teams in baseball. Every single year. They're always hanging around. You never consider them the best team in baseball, but they're always one of the best teams, at least within the National League. And the Giants, they end up getting crushed 7-1 to yesterday. And here's where I'm at with this Giants team. And this is what I've seen in, in, in a lot of these losses, is I believe they've lost six out of the last seven, if I'm not mistaken, or it could be five out of the last six, whatever that number is. They just can't find that big hit in the inning to prolong that inning. I mean, in, in the second game against the Dodgers, it was every leadoff hitter would get on base and they just couldn't figure out a way to capitalize on it. And yesterday, they didn't exactly have something like that, but they started to have the big inning in the bottom of the fifth when the Cardinals were already up 3 to nothing. It wasn't looking very good for the lineup, but then they started to get going. Luis Gonzalez started out with the walk. Tyro Estrada grounds to Nolan Arenado, but Luis Gonzalez is out at second, so you got Tyro Estrada at first. Then Jason Vossler gets a single. He's on second. Kirk Casale with two uh, uh, lines out, so there's two outs. You get Mike Yastrzemski. He gets the run, and then there's a chance for Jock Peterson to continue to get runs, and it just did not happen last night. And there are a couple of other innings like that as well. Jason Vossler had the bases loaded with two outs, and he couldn't get a hit there. So it's just, there's a lack of guys getting on base, but there's also a lack of getting that one big hit, which is what it felt like they were getting a lot last year. It wasn't an issue with the defense as it was uh, in that second game against the Dodgers. The defense was fine, but the lineup couldn't get that one big hit, and I think that's been their biggest struggle so far as they just continue uh, to lose these games and drop in the standings. They're now 14-11. and 11. They had a plus-24 run differential before yesterday's game, and if you do the math, they're now at a plus-18, and you don't even want to look at where they were at prior to the series against the Nationals in terms of run differential. So that has gone down, down, down. But it's also been the bullpen. The bullpen has not been that great. Whenever they get late into games, Jake McGee giving up three runs. He did that against the Nationals, too. Jake McGee has not looked good uh, in his last two outings. And the bullpen was the strength of this team. They were leading the league in ERA. They had a they had a 1.6, I believe, which was far better than the next best team. And now they are eighth in the league in ERA with the bullpen, and they just continue to plummet. So I do think that's something to to monitor going forward as they use the opener yesterday. They didn't even have a starting pitcher. Now, they do need to get their regular guys back into the lineup and get back into, pun intended, the swing of things, understandably, but they're just lacking that one big hit. When you don't have any stars like that, you need these guys to come through, and they just didn't yesterday. It was just another case of that. Uh, By the way, speaking of baseball, because we're going to get into basketball, but there has been a record that was set yesterday. The New York Mets, 
trailed by seven runs in yesterday's game. The previous 330 times the New York Mets have trailed by six runs in the ninth inning, they had lost. Well, in the ninth inning, when the Phillies are up 7-0, to the Mets come all the way back, and when it's tied 7-7 in the top of the ninth, this is courtesy of Sportsnet New York, Starling Marte does this. And Starling unloads one, deep left center, back to the warning track goes Herrera, near the wall, it's off the base, here's Nimmo around third, he'll come in to score, and the Mets take the lead! Unbelievable! Starling Marte with his third consecutive hit, drives in the go-ahead run with a double, and the Mets with seven runs in the ninth lead it 8-7. to seven. And I apologize, the Mets were down 7-1, to one, so they had seven runs there to take an 8-7 to seven lead. And the point, that, the point of me playing that is, there's not a lot of teams that can do that, but the Mets lineup is one of the most dangerous in the National League. The Cardinals lineup that the Giants just face is one of the most dangerous in the National League. Tommy Edmond, their leadoff hitter, who went to Stanford, he had three RBIs in that one. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, the bodybuilder's son, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Yadier Molina, Dylan Carlson, Paul DeYoung. It never ends. Now, granted, the averages aren't that fantastic on those players, but those are guys who can get the big hit at any time. And the Giants, besides really Jock Peterson, Mike Yastrzemski's look good, but besides Jock Peterson, there's really not that guy right now. Wilmer Flores can be that guy, but Wilmer Flores is Wilmer Flores. He's just a, a good hitter overall. That's why he's managed to stay in baseball for so long. And hopefully Mike Yastrzemski can keep this up as it was his second game back. He was two for four. But they just need to come through with that one big hit. That's really where I'm at uh, with the Giants so far. All right. 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in the Xfinity Mobile text line. And from the 925, what happened to in Farhan we trust? Have you ever heard me say that on this uh, on these airwaves? Now, what I said was the 85.5 win total that Vegas put out there. The 85.5 wins where you're, where, you know, the over you hit 86, the under you get 85. I thought that was perfect. I think that's what this team is. It's not to say it's a bad team. That's the whole point of this segment. It's not to say I think this team is going to remain fourth in the National League West. I think they can get it going. Baseball is a sport where teams can go on these hot streaks that you don't even, you, you, you can't even fathom. I, mean, I remember back in 2014 when they won the World Series, didn't they get swept in a three game set in Colorado and then a four game set in Cincinnati all the way back in August? Didn't that happen? It, it, it was those two teams, and it could be it could be flipped between the two with the three and the four game series. But they were on the road, and they get, they get swept in both of those series, and still they managed to come back in 2014 and win the World Series. So I'm not down on the season. I just think they are missing on that one 
big at bat when they actually start to get going in an inning because it's not going to happen every single time. Like when they get a runner on, they need to capitalize and they just haven't been able to do that right now. And simultaneously, the bullpen needs to keep them in the games and the defense needs to play a little bit better than it's been playing as of late. Yesterday, it's been no problem, uh, but defensively, they're just, they're just not the same team uh, as they were last year. All right. So as we transition, we got the Warriors this Saturday, and we'll we'll see the Giants play the Cardinals all weekend. That'll be something that's on the television. Um, but with this game against the Grizzlies, and I'm just going to say this at the top of the show here, and then I'm going to repeat this later on in the show for the new audience, but here's what I want in my Game 3. I just want a game that isn't overshadowed by some sort of play ejection that happens early on. In game one, it was, I know we got all the way till the, basically the, till halftime, but that game was clouded by the Draymond Green ejection. It was fun to watch, but you couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, what's this team going to look like without Draymond? Oh, can they keep this up through the third quarter? I don't know. They need Draymond to close out these games. I don't know if it's going to work out like that. And then in Game 2, we have the Dylan Brooks foul on Gary Payton II. And Gary Payton II, that injury was looming over the Warrior fans' heads because it's Gary Payton II. He's been he, he's leveled up from being the secret weapon of the team. He is officially the closer of the team, or was officially the closer of this team in the post in this postseason. Maybe he could be back if the Warriors get into the NBA Finals, but that's a long way away. The fact remains, he's going to be out for the series. I just don't want a Game 3 where it's clouded by some play, something that happens in the game that involves... One of the team, one of these teams, missing out on a player. I just don't want that to happen again. I do want it to be competitive, which I think it will be. Chase Center, you got to match that energy of what they were bringing at the FedEx Forum in Memphis, and it's going to be a fun game. But I just don't want that single play to happen where it's just BS. Something where it's going to take over the discussion when we come here on Monday morning and we start talking about the game. I really want to actually start talking about the game because when you look back at that game too, in the way that the Grizzlies won, it's not a sustainable way to win a series. It's not. I think that should have been more of the talking point as opposed to the dirty play by Dylan Brooks and then after game one, the Draymond Green ejection. I want to come through on Monday talking about the actual game. Now, we will talk about the actual game in the second half of the show at about 5.35. But coming up next, the doghouse. Who is in your doghouse for this week? 888-957-9570. That's the Xfinity Mobile text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Who is in your doghouse? From this past week, I'd love to hear from you. Could be anyone from sports, could be anyone from pop culture, could be anyone from your life, could be yourself, whoever you want. 888 957 9570. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show 957 of the game.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Kick this game around like soccer. Wait. Damn, wrong timing on that. Kick this game around like soccer. All right, there we go. Stephen Langford did on the pregame show. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Man, what a weird night without any sports. I mean, we had the Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously, but any sports that we actually know about. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs, if you're going to... It's fun to watch a sport where you really don't know much about the opposing teams, and you're you're just watching... Uh, anytime the Sharks were in it, obviously, was keeping up heavily. But the Sharks have had just disappointing season after disappointing season. Really, ever since they just had to get rid of a lot of the team because those contracts were too much and, and all that. But the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's so competitive. And it's just, I don't know how these guys can go an entire series where you're just knocking on each other, getting into fights, And then at the end, the classic handshake line. Handshake line. But we didn't have any basketball last night. We had some baseball as well. So I guess it's really just a night without any basketball. (laughs) So yeah, it's a night without any sports. No, it was just without basketball. But it feels like basketball has been the main topic of conversation as we are getting ready for Game 3. But as we do every Friday, I want to know from you, who is in your doghouse 
for this week. Who is in your doghouse? 888-957-9570. That's the Xfinity mobile text line and the phone number. If you didn't know what the doghouse is, Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers always had this doghouse that was talked about. This mysterious doghouse where if a wide receiver doesn't do something that Kyle Shanahan likes, if he acts out of line, maybe comes to comes to the training camp overweight, something like that, then that player is in their doghouse. So you know what? I wanted to create our own doghouse. We could put anybody in it. Someone in sports, someone in life, someone in pop culture, whoever it is, who is in your doghouse. Let's get into it. It ain't no fun being in the doghouse. From the 707, Doghouse, the Supreme Court. Yep. I'm with you on that one. I'm really with you on that one, 707. The Supreme Court remains in the doghouse and will never get out of the doghouse as far as I'm concerned. From the 650, and this is the obvious one, but Dylan Brooks. And that's going to be the number one we start out with. I got about, what do I got, five? Yeah, I got five here. Or is that six? One, two, three, four. Oh, I got six. How about that? (laughs) I just had two in the same note, so technically it's going to be... This is a two-parter, essentially. Dylan Brooks, for what he did for Gary Payton II, now he is going to do the time. I I don't believe that he should have been suspended for the series. I disagreed with any Warrior fans who thought that. Like, if it was our choice as Warrior fans, we'd say, all right, you know what? You bring out the guy who's the best defender on Ja Morant. Well, the Grizzlies don't really have a way to stop Steph Curry. They don't have that one defender. But Dylan Brooks is the one guy who would constantly hound him. Now, granted, Steph would just blow right by him. But there would also be some possessions where Dylan Brooks would get the stop. So I'd say, you know what? Take Dylan Brooks out for the rest of the series. The guy who is the best is their best defender on Steph. That's how we'd have it as Warrior fans. But really... I think a one-game suspension is warranted. I don't think you need anything more than that because it was an actual basketball play. It wasn't something that happened after the play. It wasn't something that happened totally off the ball. If you look back at any of the suspensions from last year, Isaiah Stewart basically bulldozed through his entire team so he could try to get to LeBron James uh, with that Lakers and Pistons Pistons matchup back in... uh, Back in November, he only got two games for that. You know, and LeBron only got one. So I could see them only suspending Dylan Brooks for just one game. And, and clearly, he is in the doghouse. Again, if you want to weigh in, 888-957-9570. Uh, but the other one that I want to put in there is their head coach, Taylor Jenkins, the Grizzlies head coach. Because in the series with the Timberwolves, he was calling the refs arrogant. He was calling out the refs constantly throughout the series. The Grizzlies weren't getting calls. The Timberwolves were. Taylor Jenkins called them out. Then after the game when he was asked about the play he said that he trusts the refs. He trusts the refs in that situation. He just gave the political answer. Didn't have any he didn't have anything to say about the actual play. I listened to the entirety of their post game uh, on the way in after the game. 
or after, excuse, yeah, on the way in in the morning after the game. I was listening to the entirety of the postgame for the Grizzlies, and none of those guys had to really answer any questions about it. Maybe a couple of them. I think Brandon Clark did, and Brandon Clark just, you know, didn't really say anything about the play. Didn't say they feel bad for GP2 at all. They didn't talk about that. But Taylor Jenkins also, when he was asked about Steve Kerr's comments, because Steve Kerr obviously said that the play was dirty, Taylor Jenkins then goes on to say that this team is not a dirty team, and he wants to get that out of the way right there. And I'm like, Steve Kerr wasn't talking about your team. He had nothing but good things to say about your team. But the play was dirty, according to Steve Kerr. So Taylor Jenkins is just doing everything he can to sidestep any questions about the play. Just say, hey, it was a dirty play. Just say it was dirty. I know you got to back up your team, but come on. Those guys are in the doghouse right now. And you know, it's the same with Memphis fans. Memphis fans for cheering on Draymond Green as he was bleeding from his eye and going to the locker room. It was the same things with Raptors fans back when Kevin Durant uh, 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 hurt his Achilles. It was the same thing there with Raptors fans as he re-injured himself coming back. And as he was leaving the court, the Raptors fans were cheering. Now, granted, the Raptors fans aren't in the doghouse right now. And I was at that game where the Warriors were playing the Rockets. I think it was game two in the postseason when they were at Oracle. Or it might have been game one. Game one or game two. Where James Harden got hit in the eye and nobody really understood what was going on. And people were cheering when he was going down because that's just how they were feeling about uh, that's just how they were feeling about James Harden at the time. But I remember Warriors fans were cheering that. So I'm calling out Memphis fans this year. But Warriors fans have done that before. I'm not going to say that you know no other fan base has done that in the, in the history of the sport. But Draymond did his whole podcast about it, and we'll get to uh, we'll get to Draymond on the other side and what he had to say uh, about the whole thing. So that's just my grizzly. Those are the Grizzlies for me who are in the doghouse. Next up, Dan Bellino. Dan Bellino. Do you know who that name is? Do you know who that is? Of course you don't, because it's an umpire, and it was the umpire, the first base umpire. Who got Madison Bumgarner ejected from the game. Now this situation. I don't know if you saw this with Madison Bumgarner. Former Giant. As you know. (laughs) But he was with the Diamondbacks. And he was going off the field for going to the bench for the temporary check of substances from the umpire. Which is done now. But it's it's certainly not as... uh, it's not like airport security, you know, where they're doing a bunch of pat-downs and, and all that sort of stuff. It's really just, all right, check the wrist and go on. This umpire, because of the way Bumgarner apparently had reacted earlier in the game, this umpire just held Bumgarner's hand and is not even looking at the hand. He's like, It looks like he's reading his palms, except he's looking dead in the eyes of Madison Bumgarner and just holding his hand. And Madison Bumgarner reacted in a way that Bumgarner would because Bellino knew that's what Bumgarner does. And then he gets ejected from the game. Like Dan Bellino, we're talking about suspensions for Dylan Brooks for, you know, the rest of the series. I don't think this guy Dan Bellino should even have a job after that. Like that was embarrassing for umpires. But hey, 
Angel Hernandez is still around, so certainly nothing's going to happen to this guy. But Dan Bellino, you're in the doghouse. Speaking of the doghouse, we are putting a mad dog in the doghouse. Chris Mad Dog Russo. When he said on first take, and JJ Reddit clapped back at, clapped back at him, and there was a lot that Chris Russo had to say, and Draymond actually responded to it. Again, we'll get to that Draymond stuff on the other side of this segment. But Chris Russo essentially was saying, shut up and dribble, Draymond. Shut up and dribble, and America is tired of Draymond Green. That's what Chris Mad Dog Russo said. And he's in the doghouse right now, but I also gotta say, are people really surprised? Like, that's how Chris Mad Dog Russo made his name. Draymond was wondering on his podcast, like, who is this Mad Dog guy? I'd never heard of him until a couple of months ago. Well, he is the guy who helped start up sports radio. This version of sports radio. This debate radio. Hell, shows like First Take. Mad Dog and Mike Francesa, Mike and the Mad Dog, were the guys who jump-started that sort of sports talk. I can't imagine what that show was like before social media and you could just get all these clips out there. Like, in order to hear what they said on the radio, you actually had to listen live on the radio. I can't imagine things that were said back on that show, but Mad Dog ended up bringing that style of radio to the TV to a national audience where everybody's watching because, let's be honest, Stephen A. Smith and Mad Dog Russo has been a draw. But for him to do that with Draymond and just to go yelling about it, Mad Dog, you're in the doghouse. All right, last one. And I saw this yesterday, and I'm going to put the name out there. I know they're just doing it for clicks, and I'm I'm doing I'm putting it, I'm putting this out there so you are feeding into the beast. But Matt Lombardo, you probably haven't heard that name until yesterday. He calls himself a national NFL reporter. And on Twitter yesterday, he responded to someone's tweet saying that, and it was a random person, saying that if Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the 49ers, that he's fully convinced Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones over Trey Lance. Then Matt Lombardo comes over the top, quote tweets it, saying, I heard that the 49ers staff has been continually underwhelmed by Trey Lance. I mean, this just gets everybody going. Like, this is the type of tweet right here where really, it's the middle of May, right? We still got a few months until training camp starts, you know? And just to say, I've heard the 49ers staff has been continually underwhelmed. Who? Who have you heard this from? Just from a friend? I mean, he's got 31,000 followers, but... He's not the type of guy, Matt Lombardo, that everyone turns their notifications on. So, just to tweet something like that out, maybe you have heard that. But it's also up to us to not get totally bothered by this and believe everything that this dude says. Because, my goodness, 49er fans went insane. It's the same thing that happened with that guy, Bobby Thompson. But, I don't know if this is true. I want to see what happens when they get into the season and Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, if that's a thing in training camp, I'm fully convinced I'll buy into this tweet if by training camp Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance are in a quarterback battle. Like, this is this is Trey Lance's job to lose, in my opinion. This is his gig. 
he is the starter, even if Jimmy G's still on the team, in my opinion. I think that's how it needs to be. But if there's a quarterback battle going on in there, I think there is going to be some merit to the tweet. But just to tweet that out right now, you're in the doghouse, man. (laughs) Enjoy it. Have fun with Mad Dog. Have fun with Dan Bolino. Have fun with Dylan Brooks and Taylor Jenkins. Have fun with all of those Grizzlies fans who are at the FedEx Forum in Game 2. Have fun. It's going to be a fun doghouse in there. (laughs) It ain't no fun in the doghouse. It ain't no fun. All right. Let's get to what Draymond had to say on his podcast, as well as Steve Kerr, the expectations for Game 3. What do you think? 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number, the Xfinity Mobile text line and the phone number. What do you want to see improve from Game 2 to Game 3? Is it simply the shooting from the stars on the Warriors? Is it the defense on Ja Morant? Is there anything you want to see improve from those two games from Memphis back here at Chase Center? What do you want to see? 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you. I hope you're having a terrific Friday. All right, I got the day right. We got Joe and 680 and Mike in San Jose who were kind enough to call during the break. Got them on hold. But before we get to them, I actually wanted to play some sound from Ryan McDonough, former Suns GM. He was on with Willard and Dibs yesterday. I believe it was Willard and Dibs. I just need to double check. I need to make sure. It was Steiny and Guru. Excuse me. Got my shows mixed up. It was on with Steiny and Guru yesterday. It was Hasseltine that was on with Willard and Dibs. But Ryan McDonough said this about the Warriors and the way that they could possibly win this series. I think the way Golden State does it is the right way to do it in terms of winning at the highest level, competing for and winning championships. If I look at the best teams, and I think Golden State is in that mix, uh, Phoenix, who we've seen has looked terrific in this series, including Game 2 last night against Dallas, uh, the Boston Celtics, they have multiple options, multiple ways to beat you. So that's why I think Golden State will win the series. I, I think they'll uh, likely win the next two games at home and then go back to Memphis up 3-1 with a chance to close it out. And then he continued, and this was the one that I'm looking at going into Game 3. Here's Ryan McDonough and what he had to say about the Grizzlies. Uh, look, John was great. I mean, he, he was phenomenal. That was one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen. Uh, but despite a superhuman performance for John, 47 points, 8 assists, 8 rebounds, and 3 steals, uh, it, st- it took that plus a Clay Thompson night that was one of the worst playoff performances of his career, 5 for 19 from the floor, 2 for 12 from 3, and Memphis barely won at home. So I bring it up because I think if you're Steve Kerr in Golden State, offensively you don't change anything. You keep sharing the ball and doing what you're doing. The one change you may want to make is defensively, especially late in the close game, load up on John Morant, take the ball out of his hands, and make somebody else beat you. What do you want to see improve from the first two games going to Chase Center from the Warriors? 888-957-9570. That's the Xfinity Mobile text line and the phone number. Is it simply you need, as Ryan McDonough just mentioned, a guy like Clay Thompson 
to start playing like Clay Thompson. Steph Curry to have more of an efficient scoring night while also not having three turnovers. And if you're counting the uh, the shot turnovers, I'm I'm loving this new wrinkle from the Warriors here. Steve Kerr mentioned that there's the shot turnovers, as they call them, where they take a bad shot, then the other team gets a bucket in transition based off of that bad shot. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious. I might even count that on Saturday's game depending on how many shot turnovers there are. But there was one that Steph had where it was after Andrew Wiggins had missed a wide-open three, and Steph ended up forcing a shot on the next offensive possession. That's the type of thing that's a shot turnover. But I believe that with with what Ryan McDonough said. Like, it took an unbelievable fourth quarter from John Morant in order for the Grizzlies to win that game, even without Gary Payton the second. Even without Gary Payton the second. He was closing them out. But I think the Warriors are going to work their way around it. Now, before we get to Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, everything, let's get to Joe, who's on 680, who had a question here. What's going on, Joe? Hey, how's it going? Good morning, Steven. Good morning. Um, So the opposite of, like, armchair quarterback, I think, for me... I kind of put the responsibility on the coaching staff and I'm kind of pushing towards like, if they have this understanding of being such a cerebral coaching staff, um, I'd like to see like a systematic strategic modification to the game plan that yields dividends. Right. I guess I'm ready to see something like Bogut onto Tony Allen, like mm-hmm. something awesome, something genius, because I, I don't know. I think I'd rather defer to them and, let them impress me. So I guess I'm just ready to see something, right? Something different. Thank okay. You. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Joe. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I do think that as far as coaching goes, I'm not sure there's a way to quote unquote stop John Morant. I mean, but you can have him get an efficient, an inefficient scoring night. You can hold him to an inefficient scoring night. Like what they did in game one. 34 points is the total that everybody looks at. But then you look at the amount of attempts that he took. 31. 34 points on 31 shots while also knocking down four of them as three-pointers in that game one. Like, that's the type of game right there where I think the, that where I think the Warriors need to contain John ja Morant. In a perfect world, I was saying this when I was filling in for Shasky here on the Morning Roast. By the way, for the new audience, just wanted to say shout out to Alan Styles for filling in for the past three days as I was in for Shasky there on the Morning Roast. He does a fantastic job, Alan does, so uh, keep up with him. But I think with the uh, uh, with, with John ja Morant and what they did, that would be perfect, and in a perfect world, it would be you contain him at the three-point line. You manage to close out on him. But you also keep someone in the key. You keep someone protecting the rim, not letting Ja get any easy layups. And you keep him to the mid-range. Where he gets into these instances where he's doing a step-back mid-range jumper. You know, and everyone's just saying, make Ja go to his right. Just make Ja go to his right. It's that simple. Is it that simple? Is it really that simple? I, I, I don't know. I'd love to say, yeah, Jaw can't go to his right. I'd love to say that, but Jaw's just so crafty. Like, I think he can go from the right, from the left, wherever. He's a star. Like, it doesn't matter with those dudes. 
You'd probably be saying the same thing about Steph Curry, but Steph Curry can just do anything from anywhere on the court. So I, I, I do I just I don't think it's sustainable. In my in my opinion though, I would keep them sagging off of Jaw and letting him shoot threes. I really would. I, I really would. I don't think that the threes that he was shooting, I don't think he's gonna continue at that rate. He was five of twelve uh in the uh in game two. I don't think he's gonna shoot them at the clip that he was shooting them. Jaron Jackson Jr. The big man. We didn't talk about him at all from game two. He was terrible and ended up fouling out with three and a half minutes left. He went seven for nine for game one uh, from three in game one. And then he just had an incredibly poor shooting night the next night. So I do think you need to stop him again, too. I think that's the key. But I I think sagging off of John Morant, letting him shoot the three again, Keep trying to get that confidence up for him to shoot the three. Just let him do that. Because the place where he's most dangerous is around the rim. And you don't want to let him get any easy buckets around there. That's why you can't do the box in one. Everyone wants to say the box in one on Ja. That's how you stop their star player. Um, the only problem is they don't necessarily have that traditional rim protector that's going to make it tough on Ja. Because they could set it up in a certain way, their offense, where these guys... Can be you know can be having to guard other players around the court who could possibly shoot a three, like Zaire Williams, for example. So really, if you ran a box in one, you'd have that one guy who's following Ja Morant, and you'd have the rest of the players playing in a zone. And when Ja would go to their zone, you double team him. But as soon as Ja finds an opening, he's just going to cut right through it and go to the lane. Like that's what he's going to do. So. I don't think the box in one is necessarily the answer, at least for the entirety of the game. Maybe every now and then. I believe they pulled that, actually. They pulled a zone defense in one of those possessions where Jaw started going off in the fourth quarter. In that one possession, they held him to a three, and he just so happened to knock down that three. It was very timely. They're... The end of the fourth quarter, there was a lot that went right for the Grizzlies, but a lot had to go wrong for the Warriors in order for them to win that game. A lot had to go wrong, and everything really did go wrong from that stretch of three minutes all the way till the end of the game. Let's go to Mike in San Jose who wants to weigh in. What's going on, Mike? Hey, good morning, man. Love what you're doing right now. Really appreciate what you're doing, man. You keep us up in the morning, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. I just wanted to let you know that first, man. Thanks, man. All right. So what it is, is I got is um, I got the Warriors are a team that they can get a little bored and they can get a little content with the situation and they'll take what you give them. But the one thing that I don't understand why Memphis did this is you do not poke the Bears. You do not do that to this team. When you motivate them, they are not the same. They come out really mad, and it's really obvious. I have never seen the Warriors shoot that bad before, and they come back from a game and not be ready for the next one. If I was Memphis, I would be just ready for I would be ready for anything that came my way, and they got to understand that the Warriors are going to flex right now, and they're going to show them why they got these three rings. And you better believe that they're going to be some type of payback. I just don't think the Warriors are going to be dirty about it. They're going to do it with the scoreboard, and they're going to rub it in, and they're going to let Memphis know why they're the, they're the real champs. And uh, that's what I got, man. You're right. They got to get Ja out there on the three. They got to let him 
you know, manufactured from there. When you start in the lane and he works his way out, that's when he gets everybody incorporated. We're doing good rebounding the ball. I think all we got to do is just clean up the turnovers, hit some shots, and this series is going to be a wrap. Mm, I love that point at the end there, Mike. Rebounding. Rebounding has been huge for the Warriors. I think one of the the, the biggest frustrations with the talking points after the game was when Otto Porter Jr., what he did in his minutes from the end of the third quarter swinging into the fourth, when he was playing some good defense and grabbing offensive rebounds, not letting them get any easy rebounds, because when the Grizzlies get easy rebounds... It's quite simple. They come down with the ball. The other guys are already running down the side of the court. They get a lead pass there. They try to get you in transition. Like, that's what an easy rebound does. And with Otto Porter, he was not letting them get anything easy in terms of rebounding while also playing some fantastic defense, too. Look no further than the Jonathan Kaminga breakaway dunk in the fourth quarter. Look at Otto Porter Jr. make the steal on that play so that that so that the Kaminga dunk can happen. We were so focused on the Kaminga dunk, we didn't even give Porter any credit for him playing the defense. And then Steph with that three off the backboard late in the game. Remember he knocked down the two in a row. That three off the backboard backboard was spurred on by Otto Porter Jr. and what he did on defense. But the thing that bothered me is everyone was saying, "Well, Otto Porter needs to shoot better. We need him to knock down threes." You don't need Otto Porter Jr. to knock down threes. It's a luxury to have Otto Porter Jr. knock down those threes. And don't get me wrong, he's been very poor shooting the basketball. He hasn't been good. And it's not just it's not just in the postseason. Like this is going back all the way to, to February. Like Otto Porter Jr. has not been good shooting the basketball. But if you come away from this game saying that Otto Porter Jr. needed to knock down those shots, then you got something going on with the rest of the team. To me, that indicates that Steph, Clay, and Poole aren't knocking down shots like they had been in the previous series. That, that's what that's telling me. That's what it's telling me. Uh, Steve Kerr, he talked about playing defense on John Morant and who is going to replace Gary Payton II, because as we know, GP2 was the defensive specialist and was going to be the closer uh, throughout this postseason. So here's what Steve Kerr had to say. We're going to have to have guys step up in Gary's absence. JK could be one of them. Damian Lee, another. We can look at different combinations, play Looney Moore off the bench. and But it, guarding Jaws is a team effort. He's a great, great player. So it's not going to be one guy trying to shut him down. It's a it's a team effort, and, and obviously, uh, you know, without Gary, we've we've got uh, a tougher job on our hands now. We just have to, to go out and do it. So, as a result of this, you're going to be seeing not only Kavon Looney getting more minutes because he only had nine minutes in that last game, and I do think he could have gotten some more. I mean, when I'm seeing a lineup that includes Damian Lee, Otto Porter Jr., and Jonathan Kaminga with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, something ain't going right. I do think I do think uh, Looney needs more minutes, but the name that I just mentioned, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. If GP two is going to be out, and Andre Iguodala is not expected to be back for another week, was hoping he'd be back for Game Three, and everyone's wondering like, where's what's Andre Iguodala's strength for this team? Like, what what role does he play? Well, Andre Iguodala was originally a part of that death lineup that first started with the Warriors along with Harrison Barnes. Andre Godala was that dude. So he understands how to play in that small ball lineup. That's where his contributions were going to be most effective. 
was in that small ball unit, but he's not going to be there. So I think Kaminga is a good replacement. And when you look at it, if you look at this, if you look at the stats here, I understand people don't like stats, 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 whatever. But in their 13 minutes on the floor, when it's Steph, Dre, Wiggins, Poole, and Kaminga, in their 13 minutes on the floor, they have a 131 offensive rating, which leads to the team. A defensive rating of 103.4, which also is just as good as anyone else on the team. In the amount of buckets that are that end up from an assist, 86% of them. Now, I understand that's without Klay Thompson, but even with... You haven't seen that too much, actually, with Klay Thompson and Jonathan Kaminga, because uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins, one of those guys has taken his place. You really haven't seen that much of uh, that lineup, but if Klay is on a poor shooting night yet again, I wouldn't be surprised if you see this lineup a little more as an integral part for this uh, uh, for this run on Game 3. But I expect Clay to come back. I don't want him... Like, I'm tired of that narrative, too, that Clay needs to take less shots. I'm not going to say that about Clay Thompson. Because a lot of those looks that they had were open looks where the nearest defender was four to six feet away. They didn't knock down any of them. And Clay, you know, a couple of those shots were forced. Not a lot of the threes were. Not a lot of the threes were first forced. A lot of them were the catch-and-shoot threes where they were in rhythm. He just wasn't knocking them down. Now, when you get to, you know, when Clay was trying to post up on somebody and trying to hit a turnaround jumper, that's a different story. Those ones were forced. But the three-pointers... There might have been a couple of them here and there, but a majority of them he should have knocked down. They were in rhythm, and I think that's going to happen. I, I do think those are going to. I do think those are going to fall. And this team, there's no doubt to me that they just play better at Chase. I know that we're so focused on comparing Chase Center to Oracle and how the Chase Center crowd isn't Oracle. Blah 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 blah. But in reality, Oracle is kind of like that. That older brother, you know, who had their opportunity, who's out of sports now, who had their opportunity and made they made good of that opportunity. You know, Oracle fans, they lived up to it. Oracle's kind of like the big brother. Chase Center is kind of like the little brother because you need more playoff games like this one. You need more series like this one. And I think that this is the type of game that's going to spur on that Chase Center crowd, and we're going to find that it has a new life. But this team responds. We've seen it throughout the season. They had a much better home record than they did a road record. And we've seen guys like Jordan Poole feed off the energy. Clay Thompson certainly feeds off that energy. I don't think that energy in Memphis was good for him. I think a new change of scenery will help those shots fall. I really do. And then you got Steph... Draymond, everybody. So I think playing at home makes a world of difference. But it was like Ryan McDonough said as I started out this segment. They can't win the way that they won in Game 2. It's just not sustainable. Jaw has to do all of that in order for them to win a close game. I know that it was... I know they won by 5, but the Warriors were within one possession for the rest of that fourth quarter until they had to shoot free throws. Like, this is very... This game has a very real chance, in my opinion, 
where where the Warriors can blow them out. Like I really think so. Because the Grizzlies, they had to have a lot go right in this matchup. Plus, they don't have Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks can knock down a timely three every now and then. Sure, he forces shots, but it's kind of like the the Jay Crowder three. You know, the one where it just randomly happens with four minutes left in the fourth quarter after he's had a cold shooting night the entire game. And then when they need a three the most, they knock him down. Dylan Brooks can be that guy uh, for the Grizzlies. Just that incredibly frustrating, like, why did he decide to knock down a shot now? Like, he can do that for them. So I do think missing him is going to be is going to be big for them in Game 3. I'm not going to say definitively, though, it'll be a blowout, because after all, they're going to be without GP2, who was their best defender on jaw. Cannot wait here for Game 3. From the 707, I feel like JTA is a better defender than Kaminga and Lee. It'd be cool to see if he would rise to the challenge. Yeah, JTA JTA is a tough one to tough one to read. We haven't really seen a lot of minutes from him lately, but we've also seen him get beat uh, 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 off the dribble. We have seen that happen. From the nine two five, a thirty eight year old isn't keeping up with a twenty two year old Jaw either. What are you talking about, Andre Iguodala? I'm not saying Andre Iguodala had to keep up with Jaw. Saying that he helps that death lineup though on offense. And from the 415, Ed from Martinez, how do you game plan a physical game where the refs are calling ticky-tack fouls? There's the key one, the key word, fouls. Because the fouls in this series, a lot of early fouls have been happening with the Warriors. You didn't see that down the stretch with Steph and with Clay. Clay especially. Clay's been getting into a lot of foul trouble, it feels like, in this postseason. And one of the improvements from this last game to me was that those guys weren't in foul trouble. We've seen Jordan Poole get into foul trouble as well. Steve Kerr even talked about that. Talked about Poole on defense. He's still a very young player. Uh, He's still learning. I think there's been some growth in his ability to defend without fouling. But I thought he maybe took a step backwards on that the other night. You know, he ended up with his fifth foul with 10 minutes left on a reach. So we've, uh, we're going to continue to harp on that with him. He's got to trust the defense behind him. If he gets beat, show your hands. If you're at the rim, go vertical. You know, don't swipe down those types of things. He had some really good games and good moments against Denver in the first round doing that. Um, he's, he slipped back a little bit last game, but defending without fouling is a, is a big step for him. So that's the key on defense right there. Defend without fouling. Hold Jaw to an inefficient scoring night because he's going to score. You can guarantee that. But hold him to an inefficient scoring night and also keep Jaron Jackson Jr. where he was in Game 2. You can leave him open for three-pointers. Let him get that confidence to shoot those threes even when they don't fall. But keep Jaron Jackson Jr. to the same scoring night and then on offense, it's pretty simple. The shots need to fall for Steph Clay and Jordan Poole. That's it. So that's what that's my key going into this game on Saturday. And with that, I think they can win. And I think those are very real possibilities for this team. We'll see how they respond tomorrow night. Can't wait to talk about it coming up on Monday. But we still got three more hours. We got the morning roast with Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. They're coming up next. Shasky is back in the saddle. You got me and producer Sam Lubman behind the glass. And as always... Go sports. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.